It's Wednesday, June 30th, and you've got Oz in your ears. This is David Osman for Radio Free Oz, and I'm backstage just off the main set of Afghan Gladiator. That's that hot new TV show that gives returning vets from AFPAC a chance to go back for another tour of counterinsurgency. Exciting show, and here's the winner of tonight's contest, the former National Guardsman who already revolved through eight tours over there. It's PTSD First Class Crystal McStanley. Well, tell us something about yourself, Chris. Uh, yes, sir. Well, um, I joined the Marines when I was 18 for on-the-job training, and it sure was because, uh, like, uh, three days later, I was in AFPAC. Oh, really? want to go back, but they said I'm too used up, so I guess I showed them up. Well, I guess you did. Well, Ed, you, you must have brought home some souvenirs or something from your last tour, right? Yeah, PTSD, night sweats, the crabs, and I used to be a woman, but the Army took care of that the last time I, I looked. Oh, really? Well, well, that's sad, uh, yet there's something comfortably uh, ironic about, about that, too, Chris. But uh, tell us all about the Afghan Gladiator Challenge. Well, sure, sir. Uh, first, there's the uh, pop-up firefights. Uh-huh. I get five points for every turban, and, and I lose five for every CD. That's collateral, collateral damage. damage. I ended up just, just over even. Uh-huh. Then there's the uh, IED swamp thing. I had to drain the swamp and replace it with a girl's school uh-huh. without blowing anybody up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nation building. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And then comes Bribe the Warlord stuff, Bribe you know. Warlord, it's uh-huh. tee up or get terminated on the Kabul to freaking nowhere highway. Cost me an arm and a leg. Oh, really? Glad it wasn't mine. Uh-huh. Well, me too. Say, you survived those first three t- challenges, and, and but 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 how did the big show end up? It ended up, man, in the poppy field. You know, you have to dream your way out of it. Really? It's kind of like the war itself, huh? Well, tell me, how, how'd you do it? Well, I used my big jar here of Fratricide. It's, it's a meth-enhanced electrolyte replacement system, and it keeps me up all day. Because, yeah. see, over there, they, they, they own the day uh, and, and the night. It oh. really doesn't matter. Well, uh, so wait, you you won something though besides the the tour to go back. Yeah, right? I get this case of Bud Light Lime. It's enough to get the general from Paris to Berlin in my new Hummer. The army gave you a Hummer? And just the down payment, but it's got robusted air conditioning and skin seats. Well, so cool. that's your job. It's not not a tough one. You're just driving the general. No, huh? sir. Our orders are to clear hold and forget about it. Well, but what about winning the war? There's no winning, sir. It's uh, uh, just survival. Well, PTSD, First Class Crystal McSamley, that's just what you've done on Afghan Gladiator today. So, from me to you, good luck on your way back to Stan. Thanks. By the way, all those countries over there are called Stan something. What does that mean? Did they tell you what that means? Yeah, sir, Stan is Muslim for pain. Afghani pain, Uzbekis pain, Paki pain, Missouri pain. (laughs) Well, no pain, no gain. Yeah, well, lots of one and uh, none of the other. But but it's a good war, sir. Uh I already signed up my unborn children to go over there and forget when I'm going to go over and uh, clear and hold. Well, it sounds like you've got it all under control, uh, Stan. And, and, and this is uh, David Osmond for Radio Free Oz here at the Bob Hope Studios in Burbank, California. Yes, yes, yes. The best of June. Let's go get it. David, I was uh, leaving through Mick newspaper and I uh, came up with this quiz for you. Because oh, I, quiz. Because, I, yes, That's I really it. want to know what you look for in a politician, okay? All right, I'm willing. I'm, uh, I'm which open. of the following characteristics of Tea Party favorite candidate Tim D'Annunzio of North Carolina mm-hmm. would throw you off or inspire your vote? Okay. okay one. Well, these are all his real characteristics? This is all real. This okay. Is, you know, which right, of these characteristics, which... And or, right, uh-huh. which would make you support the guy or uh-huh. throw your support to somebody else. Okay, Here I'm is. ready. I'm One, ready. that he claimed to be the Messiah and traveled to New Jersey to raise his stepfather from the dead. Well, go on. Number two, yeah. believed God would drop a thousand-mile-high pyramid as the New Jerusalem on Greenland. <laughs> well, uh, there's something to that, I guess. I mean, there's one on the dollar bill. Go ahead. No, but that's pro-development. Yes, you it know, is. It is. And know, after all, Greenland will be ice-free pretty soon. Pretty, so. you know, I may, and I think New, I think North Carolina <laughs> is going to be uh, denunzio-free fairly soon. <laughs> come too. on, come on. Number three. Yeah. Claim to have found the Ark of the Covenant in Arizona. 
<laughs> good as any other state. <laughs> he's, I mean, if you're going to find it anywhere, you're going to find it in that wing nut state. But first of all, so, okay, he's the Messiah, and he went to New Jersey to raise his stepfather from the dead. He believes God would drop a thousand-mile-high pyramid as the New Jerusalem on Greenland, probably a zoning problem, found the Ark of the Covenant in Arizona, smokes dope daily, and was treated for heroin dependence. Uh-huh. And refuses to play child support, and according to the judge in that case, called himself a religious zealot who believed that the government was the Antichrist. So those are your five. Dave. What do you think? You're going to go with this guy? Well, let's see. I, I, these, uh, what state am I voting in? Uh, a, a state of abject terror, I, I would th- imagine. I, I wondered what it was. I've been hiding ever since you started. Well, gosh, I, you know, I, I have to say that uh, the part about you know raising his father from the dead. No, I, no, not his father. No, no, no that's sacrilegious. His no. stepfather. His stepfather. Oh my the, God. Raising. Oh well, that's completely different. Otherwise, it's incest. Hello, dear friends. This is Reverend Bill Barnstormer, right here at the First Act of God Church of Science Fiction. Now, what about the oil spill, dear friends? Well, my text today is from the book of Deep Water, where it's been written, We will make this right. Now, that's something to have faith in. And say thank you for that. You know, this spill has defied the best scientific minds in the hydrocarbon community. Men and women who have taken invention and discovery right to the brink of the future. And yes, the fluids flow on unstinted and unstaunched among the turtles and dolphins. Well, perhaps this is the eternal punishment promised for hubris, and something golf balls and detergent can't cope with. Perhaps this is karma. And if it is, what can we do to help at this historical time, dear friends? Well, the solution is this simple. Join me now in creating the great prayer dome. Yes. And say thank you for that, a dome of pure prayer, arcing up over the stuff and sealing the broken pipe with prayer and faith alone. That's right. Let's demonstrate what so many of our best energy folks have so long believed, that faith will dispose of the problem. And under our dome, no ice will form. Because we will have the anti-freeze of faith, yes, and say thank you again for that. And when we've sealed the leak with our great and powerful dome, let us return once again to our idling vehicles and say thank you that the pumps are working as always for the faithful. And please, folks, don't worry or be confused about the coming hurricane season in the Gulf. Faith will keep those evil winds offshore. Or, if not, when the streetcars stop in new tarlines and flaming pellets of petrol seek out the hopeless Cajuns, well, laissez les bon temps rouler, because the apocalypse we've all been waiting on will finally have come at last. This is Reverend Bill. Until next end time. Keep the faith and download my free app, An Idiot's Guide to the End of the World. Well, Peter, I'm speaking to you from underneath the underwater plume right now, just hoping there's some good news out there on the horizon. Well, Can't there, see any from here. But. There is. Remember yeah. the Reverend Ted Haggard, the one who had the huge church and big homophobe and all that, and they discovered that he was homosexual and was having and methamphetamine-based relationships with a gay masseuse or something like that. Something and, like that. And then they excommunicated him from his mega church, and it was just awful. Well, Reverend Ted Haggard gave a 
press conference recently to make a big announcement about his career path. He's back? And what an announcement it was. Okay. Outside of his home in Colorado Springs, which is where all the Christians are, yep. with his family by his side, they stuck with him, mm-hmm. Haggard revealed that he's starting a new church. Okay, now if he's still got his family by his side, he's either by or, or his wife is getting... Uh, something else happening somewhere else. I don't know. I don't want to pretend. It was a big church. Big church, there's right? A, it's a big it's, church. It's, there's room for everyone. Yeah. Haggard said that many may believe he's not qualified to be a pastor again, but he thinks that because of what we've been through, he's qualified to help other people in need. This is the Charles Colson defense. Yeah, but he ain't no Colson. <laughs> okay. Haggard, of course, is referring to 2006 when he admitted to a homosexual affair amid allegations of drug use. He was the founder and leader of the evangelical New Life Church at the time, but was excommunicated following the revel- revelations. All right. He said that his new church, St. James Church in Colorado Springs, will welcome everyone, including those who are gay, straight, bi, tall, short, whether you're an addict, a recovering addict, or you have an addict in your family. Democrats are welcome. Republicans are welcome. Independents are welcome, Haggard added. Referring to the scandal as the crash, Haggard noted that since it happened, I don't judge people anymore. However, he did emphasize that there will be no gay marriages performed in the church because God's ideal plan for a marriage is the union of a man and a woman. Haggard added that it's also God's ideal that we all have our weight under control, but that doesn't always happen. I don't want to be a political (laughs) activist, Haggard said. I want to help people. Well, bless him, bless him. Bless him, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, he is no Colson. When when Proctor and I were on the um, Maury Povich show in Washington, D.C. many years ago, uh, we did it many times, uh, Colson preceded us once and wouldn't allow us on set. He would not allow the likes of us to be on set as he did his whole Christian criminal prison stuff. No, no, I'll tell you, Haggard, I mean, Charles Colson is no Ted Haggard. Well, here's an upsetting report from Huffington Post. Eduardo Caraballo, a U.S. citizen born in the United States, was detained for over three days on suspicion of being an illegal immigrant. This is an American citizen that can't get himself sprung. It takes him three days to get himself out of this situation. This is just, this is unacceptable. Despite presenting identifying documents and even his birth certificate, Caraballo was held by federal immigration authorities over the weekend and threatened with deportation. He was only released when his congressman, Luis Gutierrez, a vocal supporter of immigration reform, intervened on his behalf. Caraballo was born in Puerto Rico, making him a natural-born citizen of the United States. He moved to the mainland as an infant and now lives in Chicago. Last week, he was arrested in connection with a stolen car in the Chicago suburban area. Caraballo maintains his innocence, but when his mother posted bail last week, he was not freed. Instead of being released, he was told by authorities that Immigration and Customs Enforcement was detaining him because he was an illegal immigrant. Caraballo spent the weekend in the custody of federal immigration agents. When he presented them with ID and his birth certificate, he says officials were skeptical, quote, because of the way I look. I have Mexican features. They pretty much assumed that my papers were fake. Oh, man. Only after his congressman interceded was Caraballo sent free. Representative Guterres, a Chicagoan who is himself of Puerto Rican descent, is a longtime advocate of immigration reform. He was one of the first and loudest voices on the Hill to speak out against the Arizona immigration law, and he was recently arrested at a protest demanding fairer treatment for immigrants and their families. Well, here's a good example of exactly what we've got to do. An American citizen with a perfectly fine ID and birth certificate and this and that, but because he looks, he doesn't look like John McCain. So let's hold him for the weekend. If only he could learn to say, finish the dang fence, they'd let him go. It gets worse, Katera said in an interview. We know of instances in which young people in the same situation are actually taken to the border and deported from the United States. Not surprisingly, the nine-term Democratic congressman saw a disturbing connection to the situation in the Grand Canyon state. In Arizona, he says, they want everybody to be able to prove they're legally in the country. They want everybody to prove that they're an American citizen. Here we have an American citizen that the federal government could not determine for more than three days his status as an American citizen. It's a very, very, very dangerous ground to tread. 
This is Peter Bergman on the road for Radio Free Oz, and I'm at the Creep Air Force Base in the Doom Room. That's one level under the Situation Room at the DOD MGM Grand somewhere in Nevada. And with me is Colonel Bob Nutz, drone commander and showrunner here. Is that right, Colonel Nutz? Laugh at my name and I'll have you drone. Uh-huh. Ha ha, just kidding, soldier. I'm not a soldier. Everyone's a soldier when our country's at war. Yeah, right. Well, okay, what are we looking at here on these two big video monitors? Well, that one over there, that's AFPAC. AFPAC? Afghanistan, Pakistan, it's all one big show now. Well, can we listen in, Colonel? Sure, that's Kiowa 84, it's hovering down the Kabul, the freaking nowhere highway. No, I'm not seeing any sand jockeys down there. Bob, look, uh, let's get back to this uh, this waiver here and the re-up and ship papers. Uh, we really have to work this out. The bonus? What about the bonus? Well, it isn't strictly for signing the PTS waiver. I know you can get simple. Re-up and ship. Look at graph uh, 3024. Yeah. It says uh, fly times, time to cultural relations, times, you know. We can make a fortune. Can I talk to him? Well, sure. Say, soldiers, can you tell the RFO audience just what you're watching down there on the road? We are hunting rabbits. Um... Insurgents. Insurgents. Happy hunting, boys. Now, over there, Mr. Bretman, you can watch uh, Mexeriz. Wow, hi, Def. I can see the slats in the border fence. Yeah, they can get through those slats. Well, how? Blow a hole in them. Oh, look at this. They can just ramp up over the damn thing with one of their high-rider SUVs. Wow, there's 50 people coming over the fence. What do you guys do now? We drone them. Now, we're not allowed to drag them. We just drone them. We drone them into the hands of the... Here they come, the Hintville National Guard. Yeah, there they are, just reveted right there to the big fence. That sounds painful. Hanging your body across the border is the least you can do for your country. Yeah, well, okay. Well, thanks for the tour, Colonel. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, what's that? Captain, I got 12 possible insurgents at the Shake Shack down there at Click 343. I'm confirming, I'm confirming. Are they armed? Well, I can't tell if those are burkas or rocket launchers. All right, we have a crowd of presumed terrorist, militant, insurgent aliens. Requesting right. orders, yeah. requesting orders. Ah, hellfire. Show them who's boss. This is Peter Bergman on the road for RFO, and I'm out of here. The TV man spoke of death on some coast. I saw the crumbling debris. Dealt me a blow, but I'm thankful to know that it could never happen to me. I am standing on motionless land, a constant under my feet. I've got four walls and a roof overhead. It could never. For the poor folks who wander the streets In search of their daughters and sons It's sad there are people with nothing to eat But I'm thankful I'll never be to be free No one deserves to be homeless alone But it could never happen to me I've lived my life righteous and wise I've chosen my path carefully Someone just has to be smiling on high Cause it could No, I'm not without flaws and I've suffered through loss I've got problems away on my mind I've got bills to pay and a son on the way So I've gotta save every day
has happened so far from my door As if tragedy lives overseas I wish I could help but I'm glad for myself That it could never happen to me It could never happen to me David, this is the article for which we earn our salary because, of course, salary comes from the word salt. You know, you're worth your salt. Oh, yes. Okay. Salt was a big deal. It's a big deal today. But the New York Times tells us that with salt under attack for its ill effects on the nation's health, the food giant Cargill kicked off a campaign last November to spread its own message. Quote, Salt is a pretty amazing compound. Alton Brown, a Food Network star, gushes in a Cargill video called Salt 101. So make sure you have plenty of salt in your kitchen at all times. The campaign by Cargill, which both produces and uses... Keeps me from slipping on the floor. Yeah, right? it's <laughs> also good for throwing my shoulder for good luck. That's and all, right. you know, all, all those that use, stuff, yeah. I, th- I don't know if it works Mice on vampires, but you never know. Mice don't like it, but go right ahead, yeah? Right, right. The campaign by Cargill, which both produces and uses salt, promotes salt as life-enhancing and <laughs> suggests sprinkling it on foods as varied as chocolate cookies, fresh fruit, ice cream, and even coffee. Hmm. You might be surprised, Mr. Brown says, by what foods are enhanced by its briny kiss. Ho, 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 says Mr. Brown. It's briny kiss. It's briny Who kiss. Who writes his material? Probably Come himself. On. By all appearances, this is a moment of reckoning for salt because high blood pressure is rising among adults and children. And government health experts, they're estimating the deep cuts in salt consumption could save 150,000 lives a year. I'm sorry. The world's overcrowded anyway. But well, go, go on. Go right on. Processed foods account for most of the salt in the American diet, according to national health health officials. In fact, Mayor Richard Bloomberg of New York and Michelle Obama are urging food companies to greatly reduce their use of salt. Last month, the Institute of Medicine went further, urging the government to force companies to do so. Oh, the teabaggers. Oh, oh government yeah, force. they're telling me I can't put salt on my pizza? Yeah. I put salt in my milk. Yeah. Come on. I can't put more salt in my coffee? Well, that's a taste I can't live with. Out. Out. But the industry is working overtly and behind the scenes to fend off these attacks using a shifting set of tactics that have defeated similar efforts for 30 years. I'm watching you, Cargill. Go ahead. Industry insiders call the strategy delay and divert. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are we using that somewhere else? Well, no, that's shock and awe. Oh, I All remember, right, yeah. yeah. And they say companies have a powerful incentive to fight back. They crave salt as a low-cost way to create tastes and textures. Mm. I'm trying to do that with my voice right now. Right, tastes and textures. Doing without it risks losing customers, and replacing it with more expensive ingredients risks losing profits. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. When health advocates first petitioned the federal government to regulate salt in 1978, food companies sponsored research aimed at casting doubt on the link between salt and hypertension. Can't do that anymore. Two decades later, when federal officials tried to cut the salt in products labeled healthy, mm-hmm. companies argued that foods already low in sugar and fat would not sell with less salt. Uh-huh. Now the industry is blaming consumers for resisting efforts to, resu- to reduce the salt in all foods. Pointing to, as Kellogg put it in a letter to a federal nutrition advisory committee, the virtually intractable nature of the appetite for salt. So it's the salt addicts. It's the people with the salt jones out there that are keeping the fast food industry from taking the stuff out. This, this is good. Uh, well, yeah, because that's what the taste in all those foods is, after all. is It's all salt. I mean, look at the ingredients. Supplies 95% of the daily intake of salt. Yeah, well, okay. Okay. Even as it was moving from one line of defense to another, the processed food industry's own dependence on salt has deepened. Ooh. According to interview with company scientists. Oh, those are people I don't want to company go to scientists, with. Uh-uh. Salt company scientists. Oh, no. Beyond its own taste, <laughs> salt also makes bitter flavors and counters a side effect of processed food production called warmed over flavor, which the Ugh. scientists said can make meat taste like cardboard or damp dog hair. Oh, well, I salt my damp dog hair before I consume it. So, Absolutely. Uh, I, I, everybody on it, doesn't everybody? 
everybody do that with I their damn dog. I encrust my damp dog hair with salt. <laughs> That's the only thing to do. Salt also works yeah. in tandem with fat and sugar to achieve flavors that grip the consumer and do not let go. Oh, uh-huh. And There's allure, a- they, they, what they do is they grip the sides of the arteries <laughs> yes. and never let go. This is an allure the industry has recognized for decades. Quote, once a, prefer- once a preference is acquired, a top scientist at Frito-Lay wrote in a mm. 1979 internal memorandum, uh-huh. most people do not change it, but simply obey it. They obey it. Obey oh. the Salt Jones. In, in recent months, food companies, including Kellogg, have said they were redoubling efforts to reduce salt, but they say they can go only so far, so fast, without compromising taste consumers have come to relish or salt's ability to preserve food. We have to earn the consumer's trust every day, said George Doughty, a senior vice president of Campbell Soup. And if you disappoint the consumer, there is no guarantee they will come back. Now, Campbell's makes so many different kinds of soup. Like yeah. it's 300 feet of soup in the store. It stretches on. White and red, red and white. It goes on and on and on. There's a salt. There's a salt-free everything, yeah. along with a increased salt and, and manly and, salt and, and low salt <laughs> and wussy salt. <laughs> all right? those compromises. They've all already done that. I mean, do you know by the way that uh, Campbell Soup is the largest purchaser of wine in the country? That there's wine in almost all their soups. Yeah, but you have to salt it. Yeah, right. Okay, here's case study. Okay. The Cheez-It. Ready? Okay, the Cheez-It. The power that salt holds over processed foods can be seen in an American snack icon, the Cheez-It. At the company's laboratories in Battle Creek, Michigan, a Kellogg vice president and food scientist, John Keplinger, ticked off the way salt makes its little square cracker work. I'd like to show you the way these little square crackers work here. I'm I'm sure you've all had a few of these before, but this is the way it works. Go right ahead. Oh, uh, heck, man. I think John Keplinger is probably a little square cracker. (laughs) Wrong, Wrong accent, but go ahead. Salt sprinkled on top gives the tongue a quick buzz. More salt in the cheese adds crunch. Still more in the dough blocks the tang that develops during fermentation. In all, a generous cup of Cheez-Its delivers one-third of the daily amount of sodium recommended for most Americans. That's it. One-third of a cup? No, it, a cup. Just a little cup of cheeses. A like cup gra- of cheeses. You grab your hand like while you're watching, you know, uh, world wrestling. I would never do that, but well, go ahead. As a demonstration, Kellogg prepared some of its biggest sellers with most of the salt removed. Uh-oh. The cheese fell apart in surprising <laughs> ways. The golden yellow hue faded. I like this cheese, but it looks a little bit faded. Now, I want to show you. That's without the salt. It's the faded one you see the here. The crackers became sticky when chewed, and the mash packed onto the teeth. The taste was not merely bland, but medicinal. I got to say, if you can't spit it out and taste like medicine as a piece, excuse me, I got to leave. Quote, I really got the bitter on that, the company spokeswoman Jay Andere Putman said, with a wince as she, as she watched Mr. Keplinger struggle to swallow. They moved on to cornflakes. Without salt, the cereal tasted metallic. The Eggo waffles evoked stale straw. The butter flavor in the Keebler light buttery crackers, which have no actual butter, simply disappeared. You mean the butter was all salt? Ain't that something? My gosh. Well, you know, it's, it's not anything like this in the pot business. Remember somebody wrote me that said uh, Radio Friaz was too dire. Well, if you have a like low dire quotient, I want you to turn on NPR or some Muzak right now because this article from Bloomberg is like, it's upsetting, babes. BP's failure since April to plug that oil leak in the Gulf of Mexico has prompted forecasts that the crude may continue gushing into December in what President Barack Obama has called the greatest environmental disaster in U.S. history. Now, there's a Christmas present for the United States, a continuing gushing of oil. BP's attempts so far to cap the well and plug the leak on the seabed a mile below the surface haven't worked. While the start of the Atlantic hurricane season this week indicates storms in the Gulf may disrupt other efforts. Yes, I think so. 150-mile winds will have some effect on what's going on. The worst case scenario is Christmas time, says Dan Pickering, the head of research at energy investor Tudor Pickering Holton Company in Houston. He said the process is teaching us to be skeptical of deadlines. 
Ending the year with a still gushing well would mean about 4 million barrels of oil spilled into the Gulf, based on the government's current estimate of 12 to 19,000 barrels leaking a day. Of course, that's the low estimate. That would wipe out marine life deep in the sea, near the leak, and elsewhere in the Gulf, and among hundreds of miles of coastline, said Harry Roberts, a professor of coastal studies at Louisiana State University. These are experts talking, not harebrained wingnut bloggers. These people really know their stuff. So much crude pouring into the ocean may alter the chemistry of the sea with unforeseeable results, said Mark Sato, an associate scientist at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution in Massachusetts. BP, based in London, where many of them are hiding out at this moment, says it can't guarantee the success of its attempt now underway to capture the flow of oil and divert it to a ship at the surface. Thad Allen, the U.S. government's national commander for the incident, said operations may need to be suspended to allow for an evacuation ahead of a tropical storm or hurricane during which oil would continue to gush into the Gulf. The so-called relief well being drilled to intercept and plug the damage well by mid-August might miss, as other emergency wells have done before, requiring more time to make a second, third, or fourth try. This according to Dave Rensink, president-elect of the American Association of Petroleum Geologists. More experts lining up with tears in their eyes. They're all wearing black. We're in mourning. We're in ecological mourning. The ultimate worst-case scenario. Now, this is not the worst-case scenario. This is the ultimate worst-case scenario. It's kind of like a gamer's term. The ultimate worst-case scenario is that the well is never successfully plugged, said Fred Amenzadeh a research fellow at the University of Southern California Center for Integrated Small Oil Fields, who previously worked for Unical Corp. That would leave the well to flow for probably more than a decade, he said in a telephone interview. Ocean biologists are concerned that the oil could linger in deep layers in the sea, generating oxygen-depleted dead zones that kill marine life. Quote, clearly oxygen levels are going to be decreased in the vicinity of the plume area, and it looks like it could be a very large plume area, said Sato, the Woods Hole uh, oceanographer. The American Bird Conservancy has identified 10 key regions on the Gulf Coast where birds would be and could be harmed. If the oil uh, is spread widely by a hurricane, there could be long-term damage to bird populations. Quote, what is difficult to measure is the loss of future generation of birds when birds fail to lay eggs and when eggs fail to hatch, said George Fenwick, the organization's president. Marine life may take decades to recover, wiping out businesses along the coastline that depend on the fishing and seafood industry. Let's not forget the tourist industry. Al Sunsarai, who runs P&J Oyster Company, the oldest continually operated oyster dealer in the U.S., said he could end up out of business. This would be the end of our 134-year-old business, he said. I've been doing this for 30 years. I have a son, and I don't know if he'll be able to carry on in the next generation. My, oh, my. This is uh, David Osman. I'm on the road for Radio Free Oz here in Gay Paris. And I'm beside the runway here at the celebrated Salon of the notoriously controversial haute couture designer Yves Sansstuhl. Uh, bonjour, Yves. Welcome to my Salon, David. Uh, we have just a moment before the showing starts for my latest collection, Toxique. Toxique, uh-huh. Well, Yves, you're probably best known for your squid <laughs> agony boots. <laughs> you, you introduced them at your first Salon back then in uh, 1980, right? Well, I have them here in the case, the, the prototype of the agony boot. Oh, that's the look of the 80s, the cowboy styling. The fashion of President Reagan. He may have been brain dead, but the man knew how to wear that cowboy look. Uh-huh, and this exotic leather. Polar what bear hides, the stripes of the Komodo dragon. Uh-huh, and this a very high heel, uh, lucite with the flashing lights. Well, the beautiful lights were made by the agony of the squid uh-huh. who emits the electric pain every time the wearer steps on the heel compressing this little petty Mollusk. Oh, wow. And, but you had to take them off the market. Peter brought me down. Uh, I told them that the squid has a happy life, safe in the heel of the Reagan boot, but they put a picket line in front of my door. What What could I do? Well, I, I see the showing's about to begin here. Uh, the audience is very excited. You can tell me, uh, what are we going to see today in your show? Toxique. 
Uh-huh. Present disaster fashions. Uh-huh. As you know, I normally design for the humans, but with the crisis in the Gulf, I, I have turned my attention to closing for the aquatic victims of this man-made tragedy. Uh-huh. Oh, so dommage. <laughs> it is for Yves stool to make it right for the poor animal, n'est-ce pas? Oh, well, oh, and here, here comes your first model. The exotic beauty Giselle showing my fabulous oil-repellent pelican briefs. Made from the freshly recycled wild bird feathers, a form fitting, as you see, for the natural look of nature in the raw. Oh, that's timely, timely, Eve. And, and here comes your model, Raffaella. Ooh. She is wearing my dolphin slicker. Everyone knows the dolphin doesn't look so good coated in oil, so I've designed the tight fitting sailor costume of oil free oil cloth with a self sealing flap for the blowhole. Oh, aha, <laughs> uh-huh. that's very, very thoughtful. Okay, now this next model, Lauren Hutton, yeah. showing the turtle shell by shell. Turtles and models can all live forever with this tropical carapace of million-year-old ivory hand-carved by Froggy Island Boys. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, this must be the finale. It's uh, the, the bridal costume. Is that... For the first time, I show the bride in bed. Oh. The pollution-free happy oyster bed. I begin with a mattress of clean sand covered with the 700-count hazmat on the bottom, uh-huh. then spilled repellent cover-up linens, uh-huh. the fluffy pillows and duvet boom are stuffed with clippings from famous Hollywood poodles and gaga wigs. Oh. And finally, the cream wash sham, sham for complete protection in the season of the hurricane. Well, well, uh, that sounds like a, a thrill. But the bride herself, uh, can you describe her outfit? Of course, uh-huh. money is dressed as a prototype of the jumper jail suit in Florida orange with stripes of bio blue. Oh, it looks pretty rugged. It has to be. I'm making it for the president of BP, Tony Hayward. <laughs> he will have to wear it a long, long time. Well, everybody seems very enthusiastic about that. Congratulations on your non-toxic showing. Yves Saint-Stool for Radio Free Oz. This is David Osmond in Paris. Au revoir! Pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars I could really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now Could we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars I could really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now It's 98, like I'm eating lunch off a styrofoam tray, yeah. trying to be the next rapper coming out the eight, eight hoping for a record deal to ignore my pain, yeah, now let's pretend like I'm on the stage, and when my beat drops, everybody goes insane, okay, and everybody know my name, and everywhere I go, people want to hear me sing, oh yeah, and I just dropped my new album, on the first week I did 500,000, gold in the spring, and diamond in the fall, and then the world tour just to top it all off. Never hated, just try to use imagination. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars. I can really use a wish right now. Wish right now. Wish right now. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I can really use a wish right now. Wish right now. Wish right now. Okay. Let's pretend like this never happened Like I never had dreams of being a rapper Like I didn't write raps up in all of my classes Like I never used to run away into the blackness now Let's pretend like it was all good Like I didn't live staring in the notebook Like I did the things that I probably knew I should But I ain't have neighbors, that's why they call it hood Yeah, now let's pretend like I ain't got a name Before they ever call me B.O.B. or A.K.A. Bobby Ray I'm talking back before the mixtapes Before the videos and the deals and the fame Before they ever once compared me to Andre Before I ever got on my space Before they ever noticed my face So let's just pretend and make wishes out of airplanes Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky Like shooting stars I can really use a wish right now Wish right now Wish right now Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky Like shooting stars 
seems like yesterday It was just a dream But those days are gone They're just memories And it seems like yesterday It was just a dream But those days are gone Let's pretend Marshall Mathers never picked up a pin Let's pretend things would have been no different Pretend he procrastinated, had no motivation Pretend he just made excuses that were so paper thin They could blow away with the wind Marshall, you're never gonna make it Makes no sense to play the game, there ain't no way that you win Pretend he just stayed outside all day and played with his friends Pretend he even had a friend to say was his friend And it wasn't time to move and schools weren't changing again He wasn't socially awkward and just strange as a kid He had a father and his mother wasn't crazy as shit And he never dreamed he could rip stadiums and just lazy as shit Fuck a talent show in the gymnasium, bitch You want him out the shit? Quit daydreaming, kid You need to get your cranium checked You're thinking like an alien, it just ain't realistic Now pretend they ain't just make him angry with this shit And there was no one he could even name when he's pissed it And his alarm went off to wake him, but he didn't make it to the rap Olympics Slept through his plane and he missed it He's gonna have a hard time explaining to Haley and Laney These food stamps and this wick shit Cause he never risked shit He hoped and he wished it, but it didn't fall in his lap So he ain't even here, he pretends Airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars I can really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars I can really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now Now get ready for this, David, because this is so way beyond the Valley of the Dolls, okay? <laughs> An Arizona elementary school. I said Arizona. That does it already. Yeah, we know I'm this ba- is going to be wingnut I'm heaven. There. Okay. An Arizona elementary school mural featuring the faces of kids who attend the school has been the subject of constant daytime drive-by racist screaming from adults, as well as the object of a radio talk show host and city councilman Steve Blair, who broadcast... I'm not a racist individual, but I will tell you, depicting a black guy in the middle of that mural based upon who's president of the United States today and based upon the history of this community, when I grew up, we had four black families who I have been very good friends with for years to depict the biggest picture on that building as a black person. I would have to ask the question, why? (laughs) Oh, that's a wonderful sentence just to begin with. Yeah. The school uh-huh. principal ordered the faces of the Latino and black students to be changed to Caucasian skin. No. Now, yes. I mean, this, you know, no, David, I used to think, no, well, no, no, yeah, no, no, this, no. this is just winged up. But you know what? what what's, ne- this, what's next? The Arizona version of Kristallnacht? What's it going to be? Taco Nacht? Firebomb? <laughs> oh, firebomb? All the Taco Bells? Uh, make a bonfire out of Spanish textbooks in front of the courthouse? Well, we wouldn't want these. We wouldn't want any sort of, you know, specifically racist policies to be discussed under. Uh, you know, but there's school good walls. news. There's there good is news. good news. There's good news. Oh. This is all good news now. The gutless, car-bound, racist lost, and the mural is being restored to its original theme. And Jeff Lane, the principal of Miller Valley Elementary School, and Kevin Cap. The school superintendent showed up at a protest to apologize for giving in to whims of mentally deranged adults spewing racial epithets at a painting. Boy, I'll tell you. And if they'd they'd just thrown, you know, tar balls at the mural as they drove by, then everybody would be African-American. I'm here on the shore of the Gulf Coast for Radio Free Oz talking with Charles Dunder, the latest member of Obama's Gang of Five sent down here to solve the oil spill crisis. Uh, you've just arrived, haven't you, Charles? Yes, I replaced Professor Katz, uh, you know, the astrophysicist, when it was revealed that he was a virulent homophobe and a climate change denier. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, but so w- what do you add to the team? Then? Well, I run the Petro Nutritional Institute back at Solid State University. I'm down here investigating a sustainable solution to the massive loss of fish and shellfish that's going on right here at our feet as we speak. Uh, Petro-nutrition, I'm not familiar with that field. 
Oh, well, it's relatively new. You know, it didn't take off until we got the whole petrophilic nano-cloning process down. <laughs> Excuse me? Well, sorry, uh, Mr. Oz. Simply put, given the right started genes, chain-ganged polymers, and robust steroids, we can create a host of creatures that not only survive in oil-saturated water, but... Well, they really thrive on it. Oh, is uh, is that one of them? That thing you're holding in your hand looks looks vaguely like a shrimp. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. We call it the slick shrimp, and and yes, it does thrive in oil polluted wetlands, just like these. Uh, now, you throw a million slick shrimp scat, as <laughs> the little fellows are called when they come out of the test tube, no bigger than a puppy seed, <laughs> and a month later, well, they're as big as as Buster hair. <laughs> Ready to be flavored and sent off to market. You want to try one? Okay. Well, it's a little chewy. Oh, that's the that's the polymer filling. How does it taste? Uh, tastes like pork. Yeah, yeah. Pork flavored slick shrimp. One of my one of my favorites. It's uh, it's pan Asian. You know. let, let let me have it back. Oh, oh. Yeah, okay. Oh, now you see. Watch this. I I just dip it in the degreaser and watch as it springs back to life. You could rub a little of this on it. All right. Here you are again. Now give it a try. Mmm. Now that tastes like jumbo bayou scampi. The real thing. Oh, well, they're all the real thing. <laughs> well, <clears throat> and that should go over real good with the green crowd. I mean, you can really eat them. Up to a dozen times, we believe, before the steroid skeleton breaks down, and, well, they just turn to mush. It's a reasonable short-term solution, Charles, but I, I can't wait for the real shrimp to return. Oh, 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 return? Well, Uncle Pete, that hole in the ocean floor is spewing some 200,000 gallons of oil a day. Your great-grandchildren will be waiting for these little shrimp to return. Now, so, now let's get real. I've got this oil-happy catfish here. You only have to put a match to it, like this. Ooh! <laughs> See? He's sautéed and ready to serve. <laughs> this is Peter Bergman for Radio Free Oz in the Gulf, and I want to go home. <laughs> you can never go home. Okay, Dave, you and I take Arizona on all the time because it is wing nut central. But you don't have to be in Arizona to be a true American wing nut. No. No. Iowa is just is hometown. Hey, Representative Iowa, yeah. Steve, right? Steve, okay. The Alvin Green of Iowa King. This is according to Jason Lincoln's in the Huff, right? Okay. He's a Republican in Iowa. Is back to extol the, vir- the virtues of racial profiling, right? Which Arizona has put in the news and mm-hmm. is, is basically mm-hmm. it's the center. You want to learn racial profiling, you go down to Arizona. So, so long, he says, he's in for racial profiling as we're talking about law enforcement rounding up the Browns. Now, oh. I don't, does that mean Latinos or you know, does it mean your neighbors? You know, it's everybody, everybody lives no, next no, door no, to the no, Browns. Uh, the Browns. No, uh, I believe that the census says, uh, are you, uh, you know, there's white and not it's, white. And then there's, but Latinos are considered to be white. White. So there's no Browns. Brown. No, I guess an African-American could be considered brown, but that isn't what he means. He's talking about Hispanics. Right. Yeah. Because there aren't a lot of African-American undocumented people in the United States. They've all, you know, they were all long ago enslaved. That was a form of giving them their ticket. Well, they took, have their ticket, just took, like I do. We I, all got our ticket. I think we had to get it in one of the amendments, though. Well, yeah, maybe. So it all went down in a speech recently in the House of Representatives. See these states' House of Representatives. We should be hanging out there because there's some great stuff going down. In which King defended the new Arizona immigration law in his oration. King said that racial profiling is okay as long as it isn't being used in a discriminatory (laughs) fashion. (laughs) That racial profiling is okay as long as it's not being used in a discriminatory fashion. Uh, I'd like to congratulate you, sir, for your excellent uh, uh, use of language. And uh, he's he's two places at once. This guy is hanging out in both directions on the Mobius Strip. Yes, he seems to be a wee bit confused on the concept of racial profiling, says Jason, (laughs) and uh, goes on to say that, uh, well... He is a little upset, uh, but he he thinks that that if you go on and suggest that law enforcement officials are only making use of common sense indicators, then people will accept racial profiling because that's all it is. One of these common sense indicators: footwear. 
And that was the more common sense on the common sense indicators. They've got the most. Actually, apparently, cops can use their sixth sense also. No, not to see dead people, but to single out illegal immigrants. So by, footwear by, and intuition. By their shoes? By their shoes, by their footwear. I guess he thinks that all undocumented people wear hirachis. All good things may have to come to an end, Dave. I mean, that may be part of the laws of thermodynamics. That entropy just can't be resisted, but not without a Tang poem. And since we've just left spring behind, let's do our last spring Tang. Very good. This is by Lee Shang Lin, and it's called Spring Rain. And considering the spring we've had here, it's a pretty good idea. Spring Rain. Moping in bed in a white coat while spring goes on outside. The white gate is desolate, and we seldom get what we want. I can barely make out the red chamber through this cold rain. The beaded lamp sways slightly as I come home alone. Faraway roads are sad in this spring twilight. Waking near morning, confused by my own dreams, I'd like to send you this letter and these jade earrings. One wild goose is flying across a thousand miles of cloud. Well, maybe you can't always get what you want, but I hope Oz is what you want, and you'll be with us tomorrow because you want some more. The Oz Team. Peter Bergman, same moi, your host. David Osmond, say Louis, your co-host. Louis. John Cummings, who put us together with the ones and zeros at the get-go. Phil Fountain, the chief designer at the Oz Design Group. Mm, what class. Tom Gedwillow, he keeps the web going because he's our webmaster. Chaz Glass tells it like it is and puts it on a spreadsheet. Dave Maloney does all the recording. He's such a smart guy. Bill McIntyre is our producer and knows more about things that I don't know about than I could possibly know. And then there's Scott Wilde, who is our social media guru and also the man that's building our new website. Love them all. See you tomorrow. 